come to you now asking, Lord, for you to be merciful and gracious to us once more. For two nights we have met, Lord, and have lovingly labored over your word. But, Father, it's about this time during these meetings we begin to get tired. Some of us have lost voices during this week. Sicknesses have plagued us. I'm sure there are many work-related burdens that people bring with them tonight. Agendas to be done tomorrow, Lord, these things fill our minds. So, God, we come and we ask for your help once more. Lord, you help us to set all these things aside and just focus on you and what you've revealed to us through your word. Help us to treasure it more and more. Father, we need your help in this. Father, I pray that you will encourage your people, edify your saints tonight. I pray, God, that you bring yourself much glory and much honor and much praise. Give power to your word as we read it. And give us eyes to see and ears to understand it more clearly. And Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Very well. Well, let me begin first and foremost um, by thanking Mount Hermon, the congregation here, and the congregation at the PCA for allowing us to meet like this. Rocky Mountain Wilson didn't donate this electricity. They don't donate the water. These things, the congregation is freely allowing us to use these things to meet tonight. It is a blessing. I do not want to take that for granted. And so we thank you so much. We uh, just can't issue enough thanks for you guys putting this. Not only do they let us come and meet, friends, they give us books. I mean, come on, how much better does this get? Um, just so thankful to God, first and foremost, and then to these brothers who put this together. I always look forward to these times we're able to get together, whether it be a Christmas service or whether it be a Bible conference like this. I just, I just really look forward to these times because even though we are our, uh, have our own individual congregations and we're all in our individual communities and we all have our own battles to fight where we're at, it's just something about when we get together here, something just feels right. It just feels like, man, this just feels like this is the way it should be. And so I, this is always encouraging. And even though we're, we're, we're fighting everything on different fronts and we're standing on Scripture, and this is what God says, and we trust this, and I don't care what the world says, this is what I'm believing and following in. Though all these attacks may come, we come here and we go, yes, our congregations are not alone, we stand together, we, we're doing this as one. And so I'm always loving this. And tonight, uh, I have the amazing task of answering the question, how should we approach the Bible? Um... How should we approach the Bible? Now, I'm, I'm going to do this. Uh, I have four points. And I've put all my four points into one sentence. I'm going to give you this sentence, and then I'm going to unpack my sentence so that you see how and why I come up with this answer. Okay? So here's the, the question is, how do, we, how do we approach the Bible? And here's my answer. We should approach the Bible with reverence and respect, but with an eager openness expecting daily to be sustained by Jesus Christ. That's how I feel we should approach the Bible. Now, 
I'm going to break this down, okay? So how should we approach the Bible? First and foremost, with reverence and respect. But really, before you can answer the que- before you can answer how we should approach the Bible with reverence and respect, you really need to answer the question, what is the Bible? Okay, what is the Bible, and, and what is this that we have? What is it we're supposed to be looking at and having reverence and respect? Now, I, I haven't heard yet, but I, I am almost for certain and for sure that by God's grace, Justin Childers and Justin Nell have pretty much laid a solid foundation for that. I'm not going to be able to improve much on that. They've pretty much got the ball up and running. However, I, I'm not naive enough to think that we were all here last night to hear it, so I'm just going to kind of give you a running start to show where I'm getting reverence and respect from. Okay? Um, reverence and respect. First has to be answered with, what is the Bible? Well, first and foremost, the Bible contains the, the words breathed out by God. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is breathed out by God, first and foremost. These words that are breathed out by God are brought to men who wrote them down by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1.21 No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So God breathed words given to, Holy, given to men by the Holy Spirit to be the instrument used by God to pierce and divide soul and spirit, to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight, Hebrews 4.12. So this, this is how I'm understanding how reverence and respect fits into how we approach the Bible. Now, for most of us, this seems pretty obviously, right? Okay, God, Scripture is God-breathed, given by the Holy Spirit to men of the past who jotted it down and is now used by God to pierce our soul spirit, discern thoughts and intentions of our heart. Most, for most of us, that's very obvious, but that's not the case for everyone. About two years ago, I gave a 54-year-old man the first Bible he ever owned. And it wasn't in some third-world country. It was in Nash County. As a matter of fact, it's about two miles from where we're at right now. 54 years old, never owned a Bible, ever. I mean, Grandma didn't give him one. Mama never gave him one. He never had one. He heard about it. People talked to him about it, but he never owned one for himself. I give him one on his 54th birthday. When I gave him this Bible, I'll never forget this, he took it, he opened it up to the content, and he says, wow, this has an Old and New Testament. He had no idea what he was holding in his hands. To him, it was just some book that I gave him. He had no idea what was being held in his hands. It was just a book that I gave him on his birthday. He did not know what he was holding in his hands. He didn't didn't have the amount of reverence and respect that we have because, because the object... The object of our reverence and respect is only as strong as the one giving us the object. If I was to write a letter to you thanking you for whatever faithfulness to our country, um, thank you for being a good model citizen, thank you for helping paying your taxes, whatever you want to do. If I was to write you this nice letter, some of you would be like, yeah, it would be a big deal, who's this guy? 
Okay, others of you who, who know me better, you're like, well, that was really nice. That was sweet and sincere. Um, I, don't, I don't really think my wife would care much about that if I wrote her a letter thanking her for that. But let's assume that you got a letter from Ronald Reagan thanking you for that. But you're going to put that in a frame, and you're going to hang that on your wall. Why? Why does Ronald Reagan get more respect than I do? You know more about Ronald Reagan. You, 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 you hold him in a higher respect and regard than you do me. And that's okay. I'm fine with that. I'm just saying we, 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 we put weight and we put respect and we put this sense of reverence on an object when we understand where it's coming from. This is from Ronald Reagan. I don't, this means something. This letter from Travis, well, this is cute, but it don't mean anything. This is Ronald Reagan's letter. Okay? In the same way... This, this man received this Bible, and he thought, well, that was really nice. He gave me a good book on my birthday. Someone gives us Bibles, friends, and we go, thank you. Thank you. Why? We understand where it's coming from. It's not from the person. It's from the author. So, so let me be clear here. Maybe, let me be clear what I'm getting here. What you hold in your hands, friend, is powerful. What you hold in your hand is very powerful. Not, not the leather binding. It's not, it's not the leather binding. It's not the paper. It's not the ink. It's not the, the book titles. It's not the chapter titles. It's not the subtitles. It's not the footnotes. It's the words that are in this book that are powerful. A lot of news has been spilled over what Iran is building and what they're creating and what weapons they have. Iran has nothing on the power that is contained in this book. Quit worrying about this. We, we, we have the greatest power on this planet right here. It's ours. It's in our possession. We are holding it. So how do we approach it? with reverence, and with respect. We are in possession, friends, of the very words uttered by the Almighty, everlasting, all-powerful God of heaven and of earth that has been brought to us by the Spirit of God, working through men in the past so that, so that what you hold in your hand is his choice instrument on this planet to bring sinners to the Savior, to convict us of our sins, to encourage us and to strengthen us. What we hold in our hands is powerful. And when we understand that it is God who wrote this letter to us, it's not that hard to have the reverence and respect for it. So how should we approach the Bible? With reverence and respect. But also, but with an eager openness. An eager openness. Now, now here, turn with me to Acts 17. We had not done scripture yet. I'm just, we're just doing an introduction. Here we go. Acts 17 is where we're going to start. How should we approach the Bible? With reverence and respect, but with an eager openness. Acts 17, Paul, uh, Paul and Silas are on their missionary journey, traveling. 
first part of Acts 17 finds us in Thessalonica. They go to Thessalonica. They're preaching Christ. Uprising comes about. People don't like that. Pretty common with this in, in the book of Acts. So they're, they're forced to leave. They, they go to the house of Jason. Mob comes. Jason goes to jail. Jason's got to get bailed out. Paul and Silas escape. Okay, they, they leave from Thessalonica. And they go over. Um, they cross over. Excuse me. They cross over from Thessalonica by escaping. When you hit uh, Acts 17, verse 11, you see that as they come over to Berea, this is what's recorded. Now these Jews, back up, just go to verse 10, 17, 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So how do we approach the Bible? With reverence and respect, but with an eager openness. Now these Jews, these Jews that are in Berea, as compared to the ones in Thessalonica, are more noble, it tells us. They're more noble. Receive the word with all eagerness. Examine the scriptures to see if these things were so. This word noble means open-minded, thoughtfulness. As opposed to the ones of Thessalonica, when Paul and Silas come to Berea, they begin to preach this gospel in the synagogue. And these Jews that hear this are more open-minded. They're more thoughtful than those in Thessalonica. They didn't approach the Bible the same way. They didn't approach the Bible with this I know it all mentality. I've heard that passage before. I know the point of this. There's nothing new you can teach me. They didn't come to the passage. They didn't come to the Bible, to the scriptures with that mentality. And, and, and if we're honest, friends, if, if there's any danger among us as, the, as churches, because I realize it's Tuesday night, everybody's tired, everybody's wearing down, and, and, and I know the churches that are here are churches who would stand on a high high level of understanding of the sovereignty of God. We stand on the sufficiency of the scriptures in all things. But if there's ever a danger that we have among our churches, it's, it's that we're going to fall into this trap that they did at Thessalonica. That, that, that we, we know what that means. You can't tell me anything new. We have our doctrines down and sound. There's nothing new to understand. And that could be dangerous. Because if we're not careful, we're going to fall into this. But Paul, when he goes over to Berea, he finds another set of Jews who are there. He goes into their synagogue, and it says in verse 11 that they were more noble, they were more open-minded, they were, they were more, more thoughtful than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness with all eagerness they didn't approach it with a, a know-it-all attitude they approached the scripture with humility James 121 says receive with meekness the implanted word and we're not talking about we're not talking about barbarians here we're talking about the Jews who have the scriptures God sent the scriptures through the Jewish people. Therefore, they had the scriptures, and Paul comes in preaching this gospel, this good news to them, and they could have stiffed on it. They could have thrown him up, but they said, well, what, what, what was this? Explain this more to us. 
We want to hear of more of this good news, this gospel. Even though they had the word, the word was implanted, but they still wanted more understanding. They received it with meekness. They were more noble, open-minded. And therefore, they received it with all eagerness. They wanted to hear this. They wanted to hear what Paul was talking about. They wanted to hear this good news, this gospel. They had an eager openness, not only to hear it, but to understand it. They didn't want to just hear the gospel. They wanted to understand the gospel. Look back at verse 11. They received the word with all eagerness. Now, now what, all, what all does that entail? What does it entail to be eager to hear the scriptures? Next section tells us, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They didn't just want to hear the scriptures. They didn't want to just hear this. They wanted to understand it. They received the word with all eagerness. Examine the scriptures daily to see if this would so. Friends, I, I, I don't know all your neighbors. I don't know the community that you live in. But where I live, friends, I see this all the time. There's a plague among the people in my area where they love preaching. They love preaching. They just hate to study. They hate to learn. They hate to think. Preach all day long, please. We want to hear it. But then I'm going to put my Bible on the shelf until next week. I'm going to ignore what you, I'm not going to. I'm not going to examine what you're saying. I just want to feel good when, when you're saying it. We have in our culture people who love to watch evangelists on television and to hear all these things that just tickle their ears and they get so excited. Nothing wrong with that. Problem is, they never evaluate it with the Scriptures. They never say, is this true? Is this so or not? They say, yes, I'm eager to hear the Word. Part of being eager to hear the Word is to examine what's being said in the Scriptures. This is the foundation. This is, this is where we start. This is where we finish. We have a whole culture. It plagues my community like a cancer. We love to hear the preaching. We love to hear the teaching. We just don't want to be the ones doing the in-depth studying. We don't want to be the ones doing the thoughtfulness. So how should we approach these scriptures? With reverence and respect. Because what we hold in our hands is from God. But we should also have an eager openness to search it out, to seek what it says, not only to hear it, but to understand it, and to understand it well. And if I could add a sub-point under this, when should we approach the Scriptures? It says that these noble Jews who, were, who received the Word with all eagerness examined the Scriptures daily, not weekly, not when it was con just convenient. Daily they're searching these things out. Daily they're wanting to know and understand more. So next, move on to the next one. How should we approach this Bible? How should we approach the Scriptures? 
with reverence and respect, but with an eager openness, expecting daily to be sustained. If we're going to approach the Scriptures daily, we need to come with it with an expecting daily anticipation of being sustained. Deuteronomy 8, 3 says, Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. I wish we truly believed that. I wish that would, just that alone would just saturate our hearts. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What if we approach the Scriptures like that? What if we approach the Scripture with just that truth always resounding in our hearts and our mind? What if we approach the Scriptures like, like what we're reading in this book, what we're reading in these Scriptures is more sustaining than every meal you've eaten today? Satisfies you more than what you had for breakfast and for lunch? Is, is, is more nutritious, is more helpful, is more beneficial to you than anything you can put in your body physically? What if we always approach these Scriptures that way? When was the last time you were too busy to stop and eat? When was the last time you said, I just don't got enough time right now to stop and eat. I just got to keep going. When was the last time you just had so much to do that eating just got pushed to the side? I'll tend to it when I get a chance. I'll do it this evening. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. So why do we treat the Scriptures the same way? You said that makes no sense. You have to eat. You need this. You're absolutely right. But friends, we need this more than you need any food. So why do we so quickly push this off? I'll do, I'll do my reading tomorrow. I'll listen to God this evening maybe. I, I got too much to do. The Scripture says man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You say, well, my body tells me when it's time to eat. My body tells me when it's time to eat. Every so many, every few hours, I get reminded. I start hearing this noise. I get this funny feeling. Time to eat. Friends, so does your soul. Your soul reminds you when it's time to eat. How often... Have you woke up not feeling like reading the scriptures? How many times have you woke up in the morning just, just not really wanting to get into this word? Friends, your, your soul does remind you when it's time to eat, just not in the same way that your body does. When we wake up in the mornings, long day before, long night, kids waking up crying, man, I've been there 10 years. I don't think I've had a solid night's sleep in 10 years. You wake up the next morning and you're just like, oh, here we go again. And your first instinct is not jumping to the Word. You don't have, like Dan talked about the first night, that cherishing, that, man, I need this. You don't have that. That's because that's your soul telling you, I'm starving. Your soul is speaking to you much differently than your body. When we wake up and we don't have that, I feel like going into the Scriptures, I don't feel like doing this. You know that you should, but you don't. That's your soul telling you, friends, I'm hungry. I need nourishment. I need substance. Feed me. 
because the God I love is, I'm not longing for that right now. That's a sign you're starving. Beloved, more, more often we are like sick men laying in a hospital bed. And, if, and, and many of us have seen this over and over again. People go into the hospitals and they, they're sick with these illnesses and they're put into these beds and they lose all hope and they lose all encouragement. And the nurses and the family, they're all like, just eat something, just eat something, just eat a little something. And they're like, I don't feel like eating. I don't feel like eating. I'm not hungry. Beloved, that's us. When you wake up day in and day out and you say, I'm not hungry for this. I'm not, I, I, I don't really feel like eating this. It's the sign of your sickness called sin. And we know it, but for some reason the sick people don't seem to know this. If you would just eat a little bit, you'll get a little more strength. You'll feel a little better. You'll want to eat a little more. You'll become stronger. But he just says, I don't feel like it. I don't want to eat. It, it, the same way, friends, when we wake up and we have these feelings, we need to remind ourselves it's because we're sick. and we, we, we need nourishment. We need substance. And if God wants to... He can sustain you with air for 48 hours as long as you have this. As long as you're chewing on this and meditating on this and this is feeding you, He can sustain you. But let, me, let me give a warning here. Let me give a warning because there's a danger here if we're not careful. So let me be very clear what I'm saying. You don't have life because you read your Bible. Don't think that. Don't, don't say, okay, well, if I get up and, I, and, I, and if, I, if I want to have life in Christ, I read my Bible. Uh, no. Life, you don't have life because you read your Bible. You have life because God, according to his riches in Christ Jesus, gave it to you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You're not saying, God gives me life because I read the Bible. No, he gives you life because he's good. He's merciful. He's faithful. He loves you. Life comes through Jesus Christ. But if you want to sustain the life that Jesus has gave you, if you want to nourish it, strengthen it, you want to build it up, you do that through the word. One of the most sobering statements the sobering statements to me in, that Jesus ever taught of was in John 5. You can turn there real quickly. John 5, verse 39. You're, I'm sure you are all very familiar with this passage. John 5, 39. Jesus is addressing the Pharisees, his Second confrontation, as recorded by John, um, that he has with the Pharisees, and, and man, he just really starts laying into them. He heals the man in the pool on the Sabbath, and they didn't like that, so they come to Jesus, and they're, they're, they got all these questions. Jesus doesn't wait for them. He just comes out of the gate hitting hard on them, and, then, and he utters this phrase, this, he utters these very sobering words to them that just really hit hard. John 5, verse 39 sobering words. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Man, that's sobering. 
Because every one of us here would say, we love the Scriptures. We love this Bible. We dedicated our lives to this book. The Pharisees would have said the same thing. You you talk people who, who study the Word. They studied it diligently. They were intentionally. They, they looked forwards and backwards. They studied every word, sometimes even every letter. They, they said, okay, well, this is the sentence in the middle of the Bible. This is the sentence halfway between the Bi- first and the second Bible. I mean, they just went into all this detail. And there is a plethora of notes and helps for us today because of what they've done. But they missed the whole point. Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. He doesn't say that they don't have life in the scriptures. He says they don't have eternal life. Eternal life comes from Jesus Christ. Sustaining that life comes through the scriptures. Beloved, studying your Bible will not impart life to you. If you want life, You do like what we just sang a minute ago. Lift up your eyes. Arise, lift up your eyes and run to Jesus. That's how you get life. But if you want this life that Jesus has given you to be healthy and strong, if you don't want to be spiritually anorexic, then you feast on this word. You feast on his word daily because this is what will sustain you. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is what will sustain you. This is what will keep you going. You come to the banquet of his word and be filled daily. Lastly, how should we approach the Bible? With reverence and respect but with an eager openness, expecting daily to be sustained by Jesus Christ. John 5, 39, we just looked at, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. That's bad, good part, and it is they that bear witness about me, Jesus says. There's one rule, friends, there's one rule that has helped me more than anything when I study the Scriptures. And when I come to this book day in and day out, studying, preparing, and just for my own nourishment, there's one rule that if you will remember will help you more than anything studying the Scriptures. Okay? Here it is. The Bible is not mainly about you. It's mainly about Jesus. From cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, it's not primarily about you. It's, it's, not, it's not about having all these to-do lists of morals and, and, and having these, these nice things that we, we've spent so much time on. It's not primarily about that. It's primarily about Jesus. Jesus says you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, the Scriptures, that bear witness about me. Let me give you, show you another one. Turn real quick to Luke 24. Luke 24. Luke, Luke 24. Many of you know two men on the way to Emmaus. Uh, almost a comical passage of Scripture. Two, these two disciples of Jesus are on the way to Emmaus discussing what has just happened. Three days earlier, Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried. 
The women have come back saying, we saw angels, he's risen, these men don't believe them. And they're going, oh, it would have been so nice if this had been the real deal, if he'd been the one to save us, squash all these horrible Romans, establish Israel as a world power. Man, this would have been so good if Jesus was the guy. And Jesus kind of slips in right beside him, and he's walking with him, and he's talking, and he's going, what are you talking about? Like, we're talking about this Jesus. And he's like, oh, yeah, really? And it, it, it goes into this dialogue with them. He runs into this dialogue. And, and he begins walking and talking with them. And then verse 27, verse 25, Jesus says to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Prophets, of course, law and prophets is Bible that they knew it at the time. New Testament hadn't been written. He goes, O foolish ones, don't you believe the Bible? Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer in these things and enter into His glory? And then, verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. I love that. Man, you're talking about the best Bible study ever, right? Jesus, walking through from Genesis all the way through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He's pulling all these things out going, okay, you, you missed this. Let me show you. Um, you. You see this promised one from Eve that's going to crush the head of the serpent. Guess who that is? I give you, two, I give you one guess. This will start with J.C. And he's from Nazareth. Just throws it out there for him. Just catch this. He just says, that's me. See this water flowing from the rock? That's me. You see this lamb that's slaughtered so that my people will escape death? That's me. Jesus just begins taking the Bible and just dissecting it, saying, this is me, this is me. Oh, here I am again. Oh, look, that's me again. Oh, look, this is talking about me. The Bible primarily is not about us. The Bible primarily is not about how to handle your finances. It's not primarily about how to raise your children. Is it in there? Yes. Should we apply it? Yes. Is that the main point? No. Main point is Jesus. God doing what you could not do. God rescuing us. Redeeming us. Adopting us by the shedding of His blood. So let me close with this. How should we approach the Scriptures? How should we come to this Bible? Approach the Bible with reverence and respect. This is God's Word, beloved. This is not a self-help book. This is not... This is, not, this is not even a life manual. This is a victorious story of how God became flesh, dwelled among us, conquered sin and death to set us free that we may know Him, enjoy Him, and worship Him forever. That's primarily what this is about. From cover to cover. Have reverence and respect for this word. But have an eager openness. An eager openness to learn and to understand. Wanting to hear, God, what is it you need to say to me today? Lord, I just want to hear it.
We should approach the Scriptures as a, as a subject, eager to hear the, the decrees of the King. Our King. Who doesn't issue hard, judgmental words, but loves telling us what He's done for us. Reverence, respect, but an eager openness, expecting daily to be sustained. How many, how many Christians do we know who are suffering and hurting spiritually? And the root cause can be, root, can be traced back to insufficient nourishment of the Scriptures. Lack of intake from the Bible. Because they just fail to approach it, period. Ever. But we don't look for the Scriptures to give us self-help. We look for the Scriptures looking for a person. We read Bible looking for someone. That someone being Jesus Christ. So let me just close with this. Tomorrow, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning when you rise and the spiritual high from this conference has begun to wore off, come to your Bibles daily, knowing that God has spoken. When your family does devotions together, they need to hear every so often that God has spoken. And when we gather on Sunday mornings, what do we gather for? We gather together corporately as a body to worship the God that has spoken to us. Sinful men. And we who love expository preaching need to also be people who learn to be expository listeners. Hearing the Word and then searching it out, weighing everything we hear and understand against the Scriptures, and always ready with an open eagerness to receive instruction. And that is incredibly hard, is it not? Eager to open to hear instruction. It definitely requires the help of God. So if you would, let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. And Lord, you are not a king who sits on high and have left your creation to fall and to crumble. But Lord, you have spoken to sinful men. You have revealed Yourself to us and we approach Your Word with reverence, with fear, and with awe. And Father, our flesh will rise up against us again. So Lord, I pray and I ask for Your help for all of us here. I pray, God, that you will give us the grace.
to rise, to lift our eyes to Jesus, and then to lift our eyes to your word and to be fed by his word, by his revelation. Oh, that your people may be strengthened, they may be strong, they may be wise, that they may be fully equipped in every way to serve you, the one true living God. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.